the Under Center podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Center podcast. I'm yours, Daramar, and I'm joined by just Fionn Malloy today. Uh, Fionn, I've just realised as we have started recording, you seem to be in the host chair there today because you're on the left side of the screen. Nonetheless, how are you? Yes, I'm sure our uh, visual viewers are going to be super confused about how you've lost all that weight and all that beard in one week. But there you go. I think I think they're going to be able to adapt. The audio viewers won't notice any difference at all. So yeah, yeah. I'm, suddenly, I'm suddenly good. they're wondering why Fiona's just become such an attractive man uh, just overnight there suddenly now. Because what's going on here? But no, don't worry. It's Dara. It's still Dara. It's okay. But how are you anyway? All good. I'm pretty good. A little bit, bit of a uh, different background today. We're moving around. We're we're making moves and we're we're uh, making things happen here in in the Under Center podcast. So I'm excited for that. Oh yeah, making a lot of moves. Making a lot of moves. I, we mentioned it on Twitter earlier on in the week as well that we haven't been as active this off season as we probably would have liked. Um, especially the last few weeks. It has been for good reason, though. We have been working hard in the background and we have a lot of exciting things coming your way in the very near future. Most notably, uh, stay tuned to our Twitter at UnderCenterPod because we are going to announce next week's guest on the show. And I'm telling you now, it's not something you're going to want to miss. So stay tuned for the show today. big one. Stay tuned for the show today. Um, We are going to be talking a little bit of news right here right now after the news we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back we're going to be speaking to uh uh julian uh council of uh, the locked on panthers podcast uh we're going to be speaking all carolina panthers seeing um how they're getting on with their offseason of course with their quarterback turmoil that they're going on with at the moment but Fionn, like i said we'll get into a bit of news first of all and um We'll talk about a little bit because mini camps, mandatory mini camps have started for most teams now this week. All teams, actually, sorry, I should believe. There's been a few notable no shows, um, some excused, like uh, allowed no shows in the t- in the case of Baker Mayfield. Some that we kind of maybe expected in Terry McLaurin, and one that kind of has happened. It's out of the blue, um, but if you look at it retrospectively you would expect them not to show up and that's dk metcalf so like that a few no shows there uh today um mostly contract situation wise other than uh baker of course who's looking for a way out of cleveland at the moment and the that is the least of cleveland's troubles that they have is trying to find a trade partner for for baker mayfield but yeah some no shows and uh i guess it's kind of to be expected as well Absolutely. I mean, we, we talked about this the last show we had where when there was contract issues and contract discussions going on and there's no signed money done ready in the players' pockets, they're always going to be reluctant to show up to these things. Worth remembering for any of our uh, maybe less informed uh, listeners in terms of how the offseason and the real intricacies go you're not going to risk injury without that guaranteed money. So it's not unusual for some of these really big players. In fact, it's even less unusual for the really big players not to show up than it is for the really small players because they kind of have to, to to keep that leverage going. So this is all voluntary. It is not mandatory. Uh, something interesting I do believe that you missed out on on your list, Dara, is 
just from other other information that I've been listening to, is that Aaron Rodgers will be there. And that's only interesting because he hasn't been there for the last couple of seasons because he has had these contract disputes that we've been talking about. This time, contract is all sorted. He got that nice, juicy extension in the offseason last season. So he will be there for the couple of days that is voluntary workouts this season for the Green Bay Packers. Can't hear you, Dara. Um, sorry, I, my mic was muted. Sorry about yes. that. Uh, <laughs> he was there. He has been there the last few days. I've noticed on Twitter, um, and uh, he has been throwing a few balls to the likes of I think they recruit Sammy Watkins uh, as well, and whoever else is there in that wide receiver room. <laughs> Obviously, sorry, excuse me. They are Devonte Adams less this year, of course, after the big trade to the Las Vegas Raiders. And it is a little weird to have no uh, real controversy when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. He did talk to the media, I believe it was yesterday, and he did say that he wants to retire a Packer. So I think he sort of put into bed any speculation that he is going to move on from the team. Whenever that he does decide to move on, it'll be to retire, not to play for someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty typical of the contract that he signed, that He's not a young man. I think Tom Brady is resetting how the quarterback market works in terms of the expected age of these players to perform. And I think Aaron Rodgers is coming up to that limit now. And I wouldn't be surprised if whatever contract he has with the the Green Bay Packers at the moment, if that gets extended just a little bit, fine. But I don't expect him to go and sign a meaningful contract with any other team, especially given that he's verbalized that that would be his ideal to stay with the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, we'll move on to the other bit of news that we've had. Um, the Denver Broncos, of course, uh, who traded for Russell Wilson in the offseason, who seemed to have their quarterback um, stacking up their team, especially not just with Russell Wilson, but getting some really good players on the defensive side, like Randy Gregory and DJ Jones on that defensive line. But they have officially uh, been sold. Uh, they have been sold to Rob Walton, who is the son of the uh, of the founder of Walmart. Um, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. I had the stuff here. It's gone. I'm sorry. But uh, the sale is official for $4.5 billion. Uh, he is now the richest owner in the NFL previously. Um, pre- uh, by over $40 billion, actually, I believe, as well. Over $40 mm-hmm. billion, he is actually more um, wealthier, which I find interesting. Just as an outside point, I find it interesting when they say people's worth, like someone's worth $100 billion. They they don't have $100 billion, but, they, you know, they seem to be worth it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, David Tepper, sorry, the Carolina Panthers owner, he is the, he was the richest owner. He's not anymore. It's, it's, it's now... Um, Rob Walton. So the the Broncos now are you can say in the money. Um, I I go back to the to the gif of Smithers and you know Mr. Burns having a money fight with each other, and it seems to be that's what's happening now in the uh, owners in the owners meetings. Uh, and now there's one with a big bigger bag of cash now to throw their money around. Absolutely, and as a Commanders fan, that's really exciting for me because. It signifies that money is willing to come into the league still. There is, with these inflated evaluations of these teams, there's there's money to throw around and there's 
people, individuals that want to go and buy these teams. And for a commander's perspective, I think that's really exciting because one thing that you have to bear in mind with the current owner, uh, Schneider, is that he bought that with leverage. In other words, he bought that with debt. He took loans to be able to purchase this team. And as far as I know, the Waltons were able to buy essentially the Broncos with cash. We don't know that officially, but certainly that's the way it seems to have been operated in the in the bidding procedure is that bids that were considered more catch rich catch cash rich uh, were preferred. So for the for the commander's perspective, I think that's really interesting because I think where they're situated can be very beneficial to have a lot of cash coming in and be able to kind of make uh, make use of that and, and really grow. We we already know that there was a, a hundred million put down on a bit of land in Virginia. We talked about that last week in the last show that we had. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. That's probably not the whole money that's going to be spent. That's probably a down payment. So it's going to be really interesting now with this kind of money. Four billion pretty much doubles what the Panthers got got paid to be the last team to be sold on the open market in the NFL. So it's going to be really interesting, I believe. Which is the other team that might be up for, for sale, Dara? Is it your Seahawks? Seahawks? There's talk about the Seahawks because I think it's the founder, not the founder of Nike, but the one. I think one of the family of the founders of Nike is actually currently in negotiations to buy the basketball team, the Portland Trailblazers. That is, in, that is important because... Jody Allen, who is the sister of Paul Allen and the late Paul Allen, who did own the Seahawks and the Trailblazers, is willing to sell the Trailblazers. So would they be looking to sell the Seahawks, which remains to be seen? And if it, that is the case, we'll see who be interested in buying it. There's a lot of rumors that Jeff Bezos wants to come in to the league and buy a team. I believe he's actually from Seattle as well or from the Pacific. No, Northwest. no, he wants Washington there. I can confirm. He, oh, have you spoken to yeah, him? Yeah, he just likes the colors better than the Seahawks. Yeah. Oh, is that what he, it is? Yeah, he's not interested in the Seahawks though. Oh, it's because um no, I won't say it, but anyway. Uh <laughs> <laughs> there's a comparison I can make about Amazon workers and the quality of that stadium in yes, okay, in, in fair FedEx, enough. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 I see where you're going. Um, but I, I won't I won't say that anyway. I won't say that. But um, yeah, so the Seahawks possibly could be up for sale as well. So that remains to be seen if that's going um to happen. But we'll move on from a team being sold and becoming richer to a player getting significantly richer. And that is, of course, star defensive tackle for the LA Rams, Aaron Donald, who, guess what, lads? He's not retiring. So offensive linemen all around the league, you will continue to have nightmares about Aaron Donald this coming season because he ain't going anywhere. He signed an, he signed an extension. So uh, there was two... There was no New Year's added to his current deal. I think he has three years left on it. But now he has $65 million guaranteed over the next two seasons and $95 million through the 2024 season. Uh, so that is a serious amount of money. He is the richest non-quarterback in the league. And for a player as talented as Aaron Donald is, you couldn't begrudge him getting his money. No, absolutely not. And it's really interesting as well. All this this show seems to be very much in the financial realm at the moment, but how this market changes where now all of a sudden 
that's quarterback money. Even in this current market, that's quarterback money per year cash dollars going to a player. So it's really interesting. I don't begrudge him. I hope he keeps the same enthusiasm that he had before. Famously, he hadn't won a Super Bowl before. So I believe that probably had a lot of motivation for him. Now that he's got the Super Bowl, it'll be interesting to see just how much motivation he has to continue to press and put pressure on the offensive line. But yeah, it's really it's really interesting. I don't know, I don't know who's coming up behind him in terms of really stood defensive linemen to put pressure on. I don't think it's easy to argue that anyone is near his level at the um, at the moment. JJ Watt in the past, sure, but he didn't manage to reset the market. TJ? Who, who do you think is coming up that could do that? TJ Watt. TJ Watt, yeah, I think TJ that's probably Watt. Chandler Jones. I think if he has a good season, uh, no, I think he's he's past that point where he, he might have killed that himself. Money. He might have shot himself yeah. in the football um, seasons. TJ Watt, I would also say maybe Nick Bosa, and you'd be looking at Miles Garrett as well. So they'd probably be the three, I would think, that'd be ne- next up to Aaron Donald. But you're talking about Aaron Donald being here. And then the other three, like being here, which is yeah. no disrespect to the other three, they're absolutely fantastic um, defensive linemen. But Aaron Donald is just in another world. And I think one complicating factor when you start to talk about quarterback money, which is as I mentioned, the realm we're now talking about, is that the defensive line unit is a unit. At at most, it's four players. At least it's got to be two. You have to have an edge rusher on both sides that's going to draw a double team one way or the other. And I think that's a complicating factor in terms of the players that I agree that you just listed that could warrant that money is sure. You got to pay them that money, but realistically to get the most out of them, there has to be someone on the other side of equal value to really put pressure on that offensive line. So it would be very interesting how the finances of the NFL shake out in terms of the defensive line low that that mark has been pushed up just that little bit closer to the quarterback money. Yeah. Well, as long as the salary cap goes up every year, you are going to get closer to that, to that sort of position or to that sort of money that you know, different positions are going to ask for, you mm. know? Um, so it will be interesting to see who the next to non because Jalen Ramsey had a fa- got a really really good contract. Jair Alexander with the Packers recently got a, a really massive deal as well. We've seen the sort of money that the wide receivers now are commanding uh, too, with the likes of the Tyree Kill deal and the even like even like like a second sort of tier uh, wide receivers like. You know Christian Kirk getting with the mm-hmm. Jaguars. You know that money is going up and up and up in every position, and will uh, and it's only a matter of time before um, we see that, that we see like almost all positions worked out, and which will actually bring you then back to the quarterback um, pay scale, which will then I think blow it out of water even more um, because who is it at the moment? Mahomes, ha- Patrick Mahomes has the most expensive. Sure. Um, a deal, I think, what was it? 10 years, 500 million. Mm-hmm. And Rodgers like, can compete with that, I believe, with his new extension. But not for the whole length, of the, just for the extended years. Yeah, I think he has two years, 50 million each year, something like that. I think it's like a two-year mm-hmm. uh, $100 million deal. So it's about the same as my home. So when you look at the next ones coming up, um, 
we'll just we'll just see in the next couple of years. Like when Joey Burrow is available for his massive contract, if he continues on the trajectory, trajectory, I still hard words are hard sometimes. Uh, how much is he going to command? Is he going to get a bigger contract? And what at what point are we going to see the one billion mark broken? I don't, you see, Daryl, I don't think we can. I would not be surprised if at some point in our lifetime we see a recession of NFL contracts because I don't know if the physical cap can keep up with the money that these guys are commanding at the moment. And that's a but real see, problem. I think the way you look at it as well, though, the way that a lot of teams now, and, and look, um, I know we we sort of make a point and to not mention, you know, this player, but we'll have to in this scenario, mm-hmm. like the Sean Watson's contract of all guaranteed money, you know, and the way that they can manipulate things in terms of cap as well, like that, you know, there's always ways around it and there's always ways sure. to work through it. So it, it may come to a point where it just becomes so inflated that we do see the billion broken whether it is something like i'm thinking we are going to see at some point a 75 million dollar a year quarterback so if you have a 75 million dollar a year quarterback and you give him a 15 year deal similar to mahomes in his 10 year and 50 million each year you're going to get you're going to break that 1 billion Mm-hmm. If if I if I'm correct with my maths, and I really hope I am, <laughs> I think I am. That's all, just over a billion. But um, they, so you were going to see that. So just it's a matter of when. I think not if. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I still think it'll be a bit of time, but we'll hold off and, and see what happens there. Um, but I think that's all uh, all the news we have this week. I think we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to speak to Julian Council of Locked On Panthers to talk everything Carolina Panthers wise uh, this off season quarterbacks, you know, um, issues with coaching. You know, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see what is going to happen there, um, and we'll get Julian's thoughts right after this. And you're welcome back to the second part of the Under Center podcast. Darren and Fionn here, of course, with you. We uh, round up the news in the first part. Now let's focus on the Carolina Panthers here in the second part of the show. Joining us from the Locked On Panthers podcast, we're delighted to have Julian Council joining us. Julian, how are you, sir? I'm great, man. How are y'all doing? It's it's awesome to talk to some folks over across the pond because I know I have plenty of listeners who follow the Panthers over there. So thanks for having me on the show. No problem at all. No problem at all. We should also mention that our co-host Field, his brother, is actually one of those uh, overseas Panthers fans. So I'm sure he's listening at the moment, and okay. he is very intrigued to see what you are going to uh, say because he he was actually the one that um, recommended yourself uh, for us to try and reach out to. So we'll have to give uh, Rain some uh, some props for that. So. Awesome. Thank well, you to read. <laughs> yeah, no, but see, I was I always wondering when I got the uh, DM from you guys on Twitter. I'm like, like, how do they even know like I exist? Because <laughs> like, we're like, even if like we were both in the, all of us were in America or overseas, like you don't know all the podcasts. So it's kind of one of those things. Like, how does anyone find me out? But it's cool that he listens, and I, I thank him for that. And it's also cool to just sit here and talk NFL with y'all. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. Uh, we should mention, ask, ask before we get into the Panthers, one other thing, because we ask 
uh, all of our guests, mostly off air, but we didn't get a chance before we went on here air here. Uh, have you actually ever had the chance to come over to Ireland? I have never been to Ireland. No, I've never been to Europe, period. Okay. So I, I need to get over there one day. My girlfriend actually is yeah. like, get over there like now. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, I will. But you know, it's not like it's cheap to get over overseas. So I need to get to Ireland one day. Absolutely. Definitely for sure. Well, sure. Next time the Panthers are playing over in London, you'll have to take the quick trip over the Irish Sea over here to Ireland. And we'll have to, um, we'll have to uh, treat you to a few points of the good stuff. Yes, please. And I'll say this too. <laughs> Um, just think about like how the NFL has games in London. Now they're going to play in Germany. Like, don't y'all kind of feel like forgotten that they haven't tried to play a game like in Dublin. I know college football has done that. I think Notre Dame mm -hmm. might have a game. They're supposed to have a game like last year sometime during the pandemic yeah. over in Dublin. And that kind of got nixed because of that. But like, I feel like you guys got to feel shorted that you haven't gotten one yet. Oh, we are. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> We're having to pay those flights over to London to see those games or like I'm a Seahawks fan, so I'm going to be going over to Munich to see them face the, the Buccaneers in November. But um, yeah, we have we have a, a game in August. Um, we have, was it Northwestern? Um, and Nebraska. Again, and Nebraska. And they're going to kick off the college season, actually. <laughs> Come so, on, they, that's the yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Notre yeah. Dame would have been great. but the, we, we have them. They are they, coming they're next year. year. I believe it's yeah. the traditional. Traditionally, they, it's Notre Dame Navy. I believe it's Notre Dame Navy that's coming up next yeah. season. So Okay. I know you, there's at least a rivalry there. Yeah, because I know you've had, like, Boston College and Georgia Tech one time. I was yeah. like, why We had Penn, Penn State and uh, UCF as well, which was – I went to that. It was nice. It was uh, who was the quarterback for Penn State? He made it to the NFL and he kind of he was a backup, but he set the Penn State record for yards that day. So we had something to cheer about. It was at least a was it Matt McGloin? No, it was uh, wasn't was it Chad Kelly or was it was a Burger? I'm pretty sure his oh. surname was a Burger, oh, like okay. something Burger, one of these Metalist Burger or Rottless Burger or you something know that like kind that. of like okay. sure sure. Mm. That the well, perfect. Yeah. Oh, it probably... was. It wasn't Hackenberg. No, it wasn't Hackenberg. Hackenberg. It might yeah, have been was, Hackenberg. Okay. Yeah, Hackenberg, Hackenberg would Hackenberg. make sense. Okay, because I know yeah. that's kind of a recent thing. College football playing over there in Ireland. So cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's go and talk some Panthers. Um, sure. and then we'll uh, we'll organize a Panthers game maybe off air to come over to Ireland for sure. Um, but we're into now uh, mandatory mini camps. Uh, it is the first week. Um, from your observations so far this week, how have things been going? Yeah, well, actually, Panthers is actually next week, but they're still oh, going week, through so. OTAs. But no, no big deal. Like, I know there's other teams that have started out there mandatory. I think the teams that had new coaches have. But um, as far as what I've been able to observe and what I've heard and read is that Sam Darnold looked pretty good, at least uh, on the Wednesdays on June 8th. And that you, you – it's just kind of, you know, they're in shorts and T-shirts. There's not too much you can really get out of what's happening they have guys like J.C. Hornback, who was their first-round pick in 2021. He suffered a broken foot in week three. He didn't get a lot to see him a lot last year, but there's a lot of expectations for him. Dante Jackson's back. Terrace Marshall, who was also one of their high draft picks in 2021, he came in this portion of this offseason last year, and he was in a red uniform because he just was not healthy from his career at LSU. And really all last season, he wasn't. And he's someone – had a long touchdown pass on uh, today on June 8th. And he's someone who they have a lot of expectation for him to step up, fulfill that number three wide receiver role, especially now that Robbie Anderson, he's not there during the voluntary portion. Now he'll be back next week for the mandatory portion. Like last year was the same case. It's kind of odd that he wouldn't be there this season, considering he didn't play well last season. 
and they have a new offense with Ben McAdoo as the new OC. You would think just trying to integrate yourself in the offense and learn it actually firsthand would make a lot of sense, but it's allowed a guy like Terrace Marshall to really step up and have an opportunity to kind of show what he can do as the Panthers had a first round grade on him a year ago, even though they were able to get him in the second round because he dropped back his due at injury. So Darnold looking like, okay, but it's still, it's only June. Let's we'll see what he looks like when we actually get into pads down in Spartanburg in August. And then, of course, with uh, training camp and all, everything going on there. But, yeah, right now, just they're working out things, trying to get the, uh, the offense in order. You know, Panthers, they're staying healthy, which is important. You mentioned the uh, – uh, in Carolina, who's going to be the quarterback there? Uh, was draft – been there – from last still kind of with Garoppolo and such on the ground the kind of league wide it seemed to be a lot of slander of Sam Darnold he lost a key weapon very early on when that weapon was there in Christian McCaffrey people were saying that this is MVP style play that was coming out of Sam Darnold how has the Carolina camp internally looked at Sam Darnold versus maybe more of the noise against the NFL wide noise. Well, I think they feel the same way about him. A lot of folks outside of the building feel about him. It's obvious if you just look at the pursuit of Deshaun Watson, who had all of his legal issues, and that's still ongoing um, with, with the Houston Texans now. And now he's with the Cleveland Browns. But they were going after him. They tried to kick the tires on Russell Wilson. General manager here in Carolina, Scott Fitterer, came from Seattle, and he was integral and the Seahawks taking Wilson in the third round a, couple, a, a decade ago. And, of course, where he has he had a great career in Seattle. Now he's in Denver hoping to have a good, great legacy there. So you've just seen their interest in quarterbacks this offseason. It's pretty much told you that they want to find an upgrade. And Scott Fitterer said multiple times, whether it was at exit interviews following the season or at the Combine in Indianapolis or leading up to the draft, that we are going to add to this quarterback room. Now, once he was able to get past him not getting someone – like Deshaun Watson or or uh, Russell Wilson, it was clear that he was going to get an opportunity to be a starter once again here in Carolina. He like he survived that bullet, and eventually they were able to draft someone. That being Matt Corral, but that only came after they tried to get Baker Mayfield. And from what I've been told was that the Browns are willing to pay half of the eighteen million dollars salary that Baker Mayfield's making this season, but the Panthers don't want to go over $5 million or even $3 million of that salary when they're already paying Sam Darnold the exact same salary, $18.858 million exactly, um, for the fifth-year option. So they don't want to have $29 million, $27 million rather wrapped up in two quarterbacks, and neither one of them might not be the answer. So as of right now, they're, they're sitting here saying that they believe in Sam, that they need to help Sam, and that's something that, that was a message early on, that, hey, we need to get him some help. Offensive line, they went out there and got Austin Corbett to start at right guard after he won a Super Bowl with the Los Angeles Rams this past season. They got Bradley Bozeman, who started at center and at guard up in Baltimore. He, so he's a solid player. Then, of course, they drafted Iki Aquano with the sixth overall pick at NC State. So they've revamped the offensive line. And now they're going to have a guy like Brady Christensen, who they drafted last year in the third round, start. And then, of course, you have Taylor Moten at right tackle. So the offensive line, on paper, looks like it has, is a lot better than it was last year. And I would imagine that would be the case, but it's obviously just a projection. So they're getting him that kind of help. And whoever started at quarterback was paramount for the Panthers to have any sort of success in 2022. And now with Ben McAdoo trying to get him down to basics with his footwork, especially that might help Sam, hopefully. So that the, the Panthers recognize that he's not the long-term answer unless somehow he bounces back this season and just has an incredible year. 
that he's only going to be the starter for one more season as they want to bring along Matt Corral slowly and likely have him start in 2023. And a, a quick follow How much do you think at the moment, as it sits now, does the weight of the Carolina offense lie on Christian McCaffrey? In other words, if they sign some of these offensive uh, free agents, are they still, in your opinion, overly reliant or maybe not overly reliant, but expecting a lot of production out of Christian McCaffrey that could compensate for either Sam Darnold's lacking or the struggles that any quarterback is going to have coming into a, a new season under a new offensive system and trying to learn that as they go? It's a great question. I go back and forth on what the real value of Christian McCaffrey is. Like I look at running backs as a position that should be making federal minimum wage because you can find anybody to run the football. There's just been plenty of examples when he was out in 2020, they brought in Mike Davis and he had a fantastic season going over a thousand yards from scrimmage. Now, is that the same as what Christian McCaffrey did back in 2019, the last time he was healthy and had the thousand yard receiving thousand yard rushing season? No, but he gave you solid production last year. Probably not as great with a rookie and two, Hubbard, who they were relying upon once McCaffrey went down at Mir Abdullah, who they brought in later on the season, did add something, at least in the pass game element, which is really what makes McCaffrey great. And you go back to the first three weeks of the season, like really the first two weeks, I think he was targeted like over 25 times. And Sam Darnold used him as his check down as someone he had to rely on. So losing him obviously hurt him, but I don't really know how important McCaffrey is to winning because the last time. The, he was healthy in 2019. Like he did something, like I said, the thousand thousand season. That's only happened three times in NFL history. Marshall Falk was a Hall of Famer. Roger Craig was on those great 49ers teams in the 80s and 90s and likely probably should be a Hall of Famer. Like those are the two guys who did it. And those guys were on winning teams. McCaffrey was not on a winning team because in 2019, Cam Newton gets injured. Kyle Allen, who's not a starting quarterback, has to start the majority of the season. They throw Will Gurr out there in the final two weeks of the season. But the problem was the quarterback position. And they, I believe they went like five and 11 that year. In, last, in the last two years, without having McCaffrey, they've won five games. So clearly, at least to me, I don't really see Christian McCaffrey correlating to wins for the Carolina Panthers. The only time that he's ever had success in the league, well, at least winning-wise, was back his rookie year in 2017. Now it's when Cam Newton was still a Cam Newton. So I think really it matters more the quarterback play more so than what if Christian McCaffrey's healthy. Obviously, yes, he's a key piece to the offense, but the quarterback play is paramount to whatever success they're going to have. And Christian McCaffrey being there to at least help them out and be one of the top playmakers in the NFL will obviously be important, but I'm not going to sit here and say like, yeah, Christian McCaffrey is the key to whether the Carolina Panthers have a winning season or not. Because last time they had him healthy, they didn't win with him. And when they haven't had him healthy, they haven't won with him without him. Mm -hmm. So then could scheme be one of those things as well? Because we saw last season Joe Brady lose his job as offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. um, ben McAdoo, like you mentioned just there, is now come in and he is the new uh, offensive coordinator, of course, for people that are trying to figure out where they've heard the name Ben McAdoo before, former Giants head coach. Um, so do you think that yourself personally, do you think that this move now to bring McAdoo in, seeing what he did, in New York with the Giants, is this the right move to get the best out? If it is Darnold that starts, or if it is Corral that starts, or even if they do make the move, like you said, for Baker Mayfield, do you think that what what you've seen New York with McAdoo's done before has put can put this Panthers offense uh, in the right direction? Yeah, and uh, and, I'll answer, I'll answer, and also you brought up scheme too, like at the beginning of your question, like Joe Brady had no business being the OC here in Carolina, none. 
like when LSU had that great national championship season with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall and Justin Jefferson and Clyde Edwards Alaire, all guys who have so far had great success in the NFL outside of Marshall who just was injured last season. Like it wasn't Joe Brady. He didn't recruit those guys. He didn't even call the plays, but for whatever reason, he was given all the credit because he helped bring the same scheme to LSU and coach Ed Ogeron, who used to be the head coach at LSU in that, that year, he was a big part of it. So I never really felt like he should have been here in the first place. Like everyone was excited, but I was kind of like, yeah, I, I'm excited too. Cause he's the hot name. He was assistant of the year in college football, but he didn't call the plays. And like, I have good friends down in Baton Rouge who I talked to and they were like, telling me like, yeah, I mean, he's great, but he's probably not ready. And theoretically, when you come to the NFL, you're going against the best minds defensively in football. If you're going to be an OC and, he, his, his scheme was tired. He didn't really make a lot of adjustments, and we saw how that looked like, especially at a halftime where the last two seasons, this team struggled mightily out of the half in the third quarter, especially. If you just go back and look at the splits of Sam Darnold, like that would help him just having someone with experience. And Ben McAdoo, when he came to New York as the OC, like they, they had struggled, even with Eli Manning there as their quarterback. And he was able to get the best out of that team where he took him from one of the worst offenses in the league and then two seasons had him in the top 10, which he helped parlay into the being head coach in the New York Giants, which didn't go great because when you're the head coach, as y'all know, like you really need to be more of a CEO, leader of men, more so than you need to be someone calling the plays. And I know there's guys like McVay who've done that recently and Shanahan have called the plays, but they're a little bit different as far as what their scheme is and what they're trying to do than Ben McAdoo. But his evaluations of quarterbacks, going back to the Sam Darnold draft class and Baker Mayfield draft classes, pretty much been spot on like a guy like Josh Allen has turned out to be fantastic. He didn't believe in Rosen. He, he looked at Sam Darnold as far as what his inefficiencies were as far as his, his technique and his fundamentals. And now knowing those and now seeing the tape and working with them hand in hand, that might be able to help Darnold play the best he's played. Like Matt rule came out and said today that it's the best practice he's ever seen of Sam Darnold. Again, it's only June 8th. So I don't really take too much from that, but you're already seeing maybe the early kind of signs of Ben McAdoo kind of getting, you know, his hands at Sam Darnold and finding a way to like get him back to basics and get him to play the way that he should play. Cause he, he was the number three overall pick. So theoretically, I mean, in theory, like he's more talented than Matt Corral, just how, at least how the NFL valued him. Like they valued Matt Corral as a third rounder. They've valued Sam Darnold as the number three overall pick. So I think McAdoo could help him. I'm just, I got to see it before I'm going to really sit here and believe it. Yeah, totally. Um, now, then looking in front of the quarterback with the with the offensive line, you've mentioned all the incomings that they've had. They, they've made a they've made a um, a definite push to to improve that offensive line this year. They struggled so much last year. Um, one player that I, I I I heard on your most recent podcast that you class as probably one of the most important free agent signings that they had was uh, Bradley Bozeman, who came over from the Ravens. Um, I was, they, he has played both center and um, guard. But do you think yourself, is he, is he going to be playing more center? Yeah, I would imagine he's going to come in and play center. Uh, Pat Elfline, who start, he came in last year on a three-year deal, but it, 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 you knew he was going to start. He had the money. He wasn't great last season at left guard. So I would imagine they want to put Brady Christensen there, who was their third-round pick last season, and they had a second-round grade in him as a guard and he's someone who's been able to play all over the offensive line, whether it's been right tackle, left tackle, left guard, right guard. And they even think maybe one day he can play center. I think he'll factor in there at left guard. So that means it's going to be Bozeman versus Elfline who filled in at the end of the season after Matt Paradis, who was their center the last three seasons went down with an ACL injury and he played far better there. He actually started his career out in Minnesota with the Vikings as a center back in college at Ohio state. He was the national center of the year 
his last season there at Ohio State. So he's much better there, but he's not as big. And that's one of the issues you, you, with that position, having to go all that weight in front of your defensive tackle. You need to have a center that's bigger. And hearing what the Panthers have said about how they want to have more of a downhill rushing scheme this year, Bozeman is, I think, 10, 15 pounds heavier than Elfline. He's also just been a better player. If you look at like the advanced analytics, like pro football focus, football outsiders, they haven't rated uh, Elfline very highly. And Bozeman's someone who I think will win that position at center. And it's, it's so vital. So they have Ryan Khalil for over, like a decade. And he was always steady, always healthy, out there, team captain. And having someone right there in the center to communicate and get that offensive line together, I think is vitally important. I think it's also overlooked. So we spent a lot of time talking about the left tackle here in Carolina because we hadn't had one in seemingly a decade as well to have someone at center who has the experience, who's also healthy. Cause that's not what Paradis was three years ago when he came to Carolina. I think Bradley Bozeman can be a massive addition for the Panthers. It might be one of the most important additions on this roster. If he's able to win that spot indeed and play at the level he's played the last couple of seasons in Baltimore. Julian, were you surprised as well? Speaking of the offense that, okay, they addressed some of the problems on the offensive line, but Elsewhere in the offense, particularly in the wide receiver, I'm sure there's DJ Moore there and Robbie Anderson. I get, I guess, a lot of people could debate how how high up a depth chart on other teams he would be. Are mm-hmm. you surprised they didn't reach out a little bit more in the free agency to try and get some of the top talent? Obviously, names like OBJ were out there, uh, and he could easily fit into the Carolina Panthers. Is that something you were kind of interesting that they didn't address in free agency? I thought, if anything, they might draft somebody, but they did draft two guys last year. And after the draft, they signed five undrafted free agents. All that were wide receivers. They recently cut one to bring back Keith Kirkwood, who's been on the team the last two seasons, but he's dealt with injuries, shoulder in 2020, then last year had a concussion early on in training camp and didn't make the roster. And he hasn't really added anything so far, but he's a Temple guy where he was coached by Matt Rule. So, I mean, it would have been nice. They had they extended DJ Moore, so that's them basically in that free agency period doing something at the wide receiver position. It was an obvious thing to do. Uh, as far as with Robbie Anderson, like I'm pretty out on Robbie at this point. I, I didn't, I didn't necessarily disagree with them extending him last year. I thought it made sense. He had a career year, and with Sam Darnold, you think okay, maybe there's that connection there that they had in New York back when they played together with the Jets, and just his attitude last season. Like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to call. What he did against the Eagles when Darnold threw three picks, you know, a tirade because the guy, it's his job. They put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into it. You should be passionate about it. I just, you know, don't love it. Like when you duck the media, now he did come the next day to talk to him. It's still when you duck the media, when you call it the fans being like, oh, like, no, they're not real fans. Like, dude, you've never done anything here. You've come to Carolina and the two seasons that you've been here, you won 10 games combined. So I really don't want to hear from you when there's all these Panther greats that have come and gone. Like, I mean, Steve Smith never called it the fan base. You know, Musim Muhammad never did that. Rookie Pro never did that. Like, there's great receivers that have come here to Carolina. And so with him, I think he's better than what he showed last year. I just don't really value him that much. Terrace Marshall has the, the potential. He has great size at 6'4", great speed, great athleticism, just hasn't been healthy. And if he can stay healthy – and I think he can overtake Robbie Anderson, who's really a very frail dude. And he's only really – and it's I'm shocked that he's even able to stay as healthy as he does in the NFL, Robbie Anderson, that is, because he's just so skinny. So I don't feel great about the wide receiver position based on what I saw last year because they, they did struggle with um, drops as well, especially DJ Moore at 10. I do think that with Moore, he's a solid player. Anderson's better when he's shown. And Marshall absolutely is going to be someone I think has a 
big impact this upcoming season. So it's really things I need to see at first. But I, I'm, I think it's something that people should kind of take pause on, but I think they'll be fine at, at the end of the day. Uh, Julian, I have uh, two quick questions to ask you there before we let you go. Um, first of all, I, I want to flip it over to the defensive side. Um, uh, an interesting one that we've seen there in the last couple of years, uh, an area of concern for the Panthers has been the linebacker lineback position. Yeah. Now, this season, they brought in the likes of, of Corey Littleton and, and Damian Wilson. Um, they also use, I think, uh, they used a third round pick on was it Brandon Smith as well. They brought in, as well? yeah, fourth round pick yeah. on Brandon fourth Smith. Round. Penn State, fourth yeah. round, sorry. So, like that Luke Keekley shaped hole is there, uh, gaping in the Panthers' defense. And are you confident with any of these additions in the offseason that they try help? Um, I and like, I know Shaq Thompson's had a really good year, he played when he played there last year, but. I don't know what what do you think personally are, are these moves now in the off season um the right ones to try and help that position yeah I mean Shaq Thompson looked like a pro bowler in the first three and a half games before he hurt his foot in Dallas and when he finally came back he still was a solid player and, and he's gonna be kind of the he's gonna be a captain again this season and I, from what I heard from Phil Snow the defensive coordinator today is that they want Damian Wilson to be the middle linebacker the Mike linebacker and move Shaq more to the weak side on first and second down, then on third down, and especially the obvious pass rushing downs, they're going to have Shaq in the middle of the defense like they did oftentimes last season. So Wilson had a great year last year in Jacksonville, and he started off in Dallas. He ran into some legal trouble that's still going on this offseason with his ex-girlfriend, and apparently he threatened to kill her or something like that. So that's obviously not great. Um, but we know how the NFL handles those situations by not handling that at all. Um, but I've talked to people who cover the team even more closely than me, and they said that they believe that he'll be available, which will be important. Corey Littleton is someone also who's been a veteran. He was I thought he was fantastic with the Rams. He signed a deal two years ago with the Raiders down in Las Vegas, but then lost a starting job this past year, kind of disappointed. But adding some of that veteran depth, they didn't have that last year. They had Shaq, then they had Jermaine Carter Jr., who's now in Kansas City, and then behind them – was just really nobody it was just it's just random dudes that were that they had that were former temple guys or had or on their fifth or sixth nfl team they just didn't have any depth i feel like they have more depth this year and you also had in brandon smith like you mentioned there from penn state i feel better about the linebacking core and phil snow also mentioned that he thinks that they'll be a lot better especially against the run this year with those backers which i think you, when you bring up luke keekley like that's been the problem people ask like why the panthers have been so bad against the runs like well luke keekley who filled all those holes him and thomas davis who filled those holes for a decade no longer play for this team or in a national football league yeah um that's it well hopefully they can sort of fix it with those uh, veterans that they brought in and, and finally then um we should really ask about the head coach matt rule um there has been some um rumors going around that he is going to be in the hot, hot seat heading into this year um do you think yourself that if it if he has another disappointing year, um, the Panthers might be looking to move on? I would think so, but it's hard to say that now. After hearing both from Rule and the owner, David Tepper, in recent weeks, David Tepper and Rule have both talked about when he first came here that they told him, like, hey, this is going to be a five-year project to try and turn this thing around. Because they, they broke it down to the studs. Like, they had a ton of veterans on that defense in 2019. That was second in the league in sacks. And you saw m many of them, Mario Addison, uh, Bruce Irvin, um, 
Gerald McCoy. You saw a lot of those guys leave. And I mean, Luke Keke is one of them as well, who retired. You saw a lot of James Bradbury go to New York, now with Philly. You saw a ton of veterans leave that defense. And that's what took them time to now try and rebuild it, which I think they've done a great job of so far. And now they're trying to rebuild the offensive side of the ball. So the five-year plan is great in theory. But the NFL is one of those leagues where in an offseason, you can go out there and fix a unit. You can find playmakers, difference makers. It's also it's set up to be fair for everyone to go 8-9, and 9-8 nine, nine and eight now that we have a 17-game schedule. And Matt Rule just hasn't shown the improvements in the win-loss column like a lot of fans would want to see. And back at Temple and at Baylor, it was usually terrible the first season, get kind of mid-level the second year. Then you have that great leap in year three when you're competing for a, cha- a conference championship back in college but now maybe i think a playoff position and i that could be that could happen as i look at it, i do think they made progress last season like defensively they were phenomenal for the most, most part last year until they kind of had the injuries and they were bad against the run the final half of the season special teams why they, they found a kicker offensively now that obviously was an atrocity last season they he's gone out and he's hired former guys and steve wilkes who used to be here in carolina's defensive coordinator who's a charlotte native who was in arizona for a season as a head coach he's hired paul pascaloni who's been a college head coach who's in his 70s forgotten more football than that the, all of us will ever know in our lives chris Tabor, who's consistently been a top 10 guy when it comes to special teams coordinators and who has been an interim head coach in this league and ben McAdoo, who's been a head coach in this league so getting that head coaching experience i think i like everything he's done so far and he talked about how now he's really trying to connect with his players which he has been able to do with covid and all the restrictions that they've had the last two seasons so yeah he's got to win absolutely I don't think it, I don't know if he can survive another five one season. Like with the general public, they've already, he's already lost pretty much the fan base that you see on social media. Now, has he really lost all the fan base? I don't know, but I don't think he. I don't know if he survives another five one season. I think he's got to get to the. I don't know. I don't want to say he's got to get to the playoffs. But he's got to show some discernible progress when it comes to the win loss column. So if you get the nine wins, maybe eight wins, he might be fine. But you really need to have that foundation where David Tepper believes, like, hey, this is my guy long term. But he said five years. Well, we'll see if he's going to practice what he preaches. Yeah. And look, it is a division this year, the NFC South, that has got a few issues in it. You know, you have the issues with with the Falcons. They look like they're in full rebuild. Um, Obviously, the Saints are moving on from Sean Payton and there's still question marks on their quarterback position and. Mm-hmm. We don't know how Dennis Allen will do as a head coach. He's a great defensive coordinator, but when he's looking over the whole team, we'll we'll have to wait and see. And then with, with the Buccaneers, and I've said it to Fionn many times on this show, that I myself personally think they made the wrong decision by bringing in Todd Bowles as the head coach. I thought it would have been better to have Byron Leftwich and bring him up as the head coach um, and have Todd Bowles continuous defensive coordinator. I know Todd Bowles has the experience, but to have that experience to help a rookie head coach would be, I think, a lot more favorable. But look, there's 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 issues there that it just takes a bit of consistency. And I think there is, a, a team that has a bit of consistency can do well in that division. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think Tampa's going to run away with it. And the first two seasons there of Matt Rule here in Carolina. They have not been competitive at all against Tampa Bay, and I don't imagine that's going to change very much this season. Maybe they can be better when they play them at home. Um, But as far as New Orleans, I still think they have a better roster than Carolina. I believe in Jameis. I think the Saints would have been a playoff team last year had he not gotten injured, and I I felt like that was fairly clear when Sean Payton's still out there having competitive teams with Trevor Simeon who didn't win a start, but at least they were in the games. And then um, Taysom Hill, they're a quarterback. So I think they'll, I think the Saints will be fine. I think they can probably be right there also. And then Atlanta should be terrible. 
but Atlanta wasn't great last year. Neither was Carolina. Carolina split the season series with them, and they did the same thing with New Orleans. So if they can find a way to go three and three in a division by sweeping Atlanta and getting a game from New Orleans, I think that puts them in good position just based off of you know what else they can do. Now they have to play the AFC North this season, which is probably the best division in football, and they got to play the NFC West that has been one of the best divisions of football. I don't, I don't know where Seattle's going to be this year. Not Russell Wilson's gone. But you still have to deal with Arizona. You still have to deal with the Rams. You just won the Super Bowl. And, of course, San Francisco now going to Trey Lance. Like, it's still going to be a good football team. So, yeah, I mean, the division, it's gettable outside of Tampa. But it, it, it will take some time. they got to find some consistency. But I think they can be 500 at the very least this season in the NFC South. Excellent. Listen, Julian, we really appreciate the time you've taken to speak to us today. Um, you've given us uh, some more of your time than we probably asked initially. But before we let you go, um, who are, are if people are interested in checking out the podcast or following on Twitter, uh, where can they find it? Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Julian Council, and you can check me out on all social media platforms there. And you can find podcasts pretty much wherever you find y'all's podcast. So that could be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever you get your podcast from Locked On Panthers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. So yeah, thank you guys for having me. It's been, it's cool. It's always fun to link up with uh, NFL uh, fans from all over the the world. Because I mean, I always think like football, just an American sport. Like why would anyone outside of America even watch this nonsense? But hey, I love that you guys love it because because it's great. I mean, it's, it's a game that's growing. It's cool to see that they're going to Germany and hopefully one day the NFL will make the trip up to Ireland as well to play in Dublin because that would be that'd be sweet. It'd be awesome for you guys and everyone in your country who who loves the NFL. Well, Julian, I must actually mention as well, we don't just uh, watch this nonsense. We actually play this nonsense as well. We have a full-fledged league over here that oh, we take part in. So, um, yeah, it, it's definitely taken over over here. And I think it's it's it'd be crazy not to have a full NFL game over here within the next five, ten years, hopefully. Um, well, like I said, listen, we really appreciate the time. We will definitely love to have you back on the show again, probably closer to the season. If not, definitely at some point during the year. Absolutely. Anytime you guys want me, I'm happy to talk and represent the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, North Carolina. Excellent stuff. And that is where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. Fionn, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. Make sure you are following us on our Twitter at UnderCenterPod because we are going to be releasing the name of our special guest for next week's show. Um, And it's definitely one that you're not going to miss. But until the next show, stay safe and we'll see you soon.